Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostic industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm your host for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. I'm also editor-in-chief of MDDI, an online publication that serves the medtech professional and is owned by Informa. On this episode, we're going to be speaking with Let's Talk MedTech's co-host, Amanda Peterson. Amanda is also senior editor at MDDI and also author of the award-winning Peterson's Point of View. We're going to be talking about 2023 and what it was for MedTech. We're also going to be talking about what we can look forward to in 2024. So it's a recap and a look forward. And I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Now, without further ado, Let's talk medtech with MDDI's Amanda Peterson. Well, Amanda, welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. I know that you help me um, host this from time to time, but it's so good to have you on the other end and to start this, to, to have this incredible conversation about what's going on in the medical device industry or what happened in the medical device industry in 2023 and what we can look forward to in 2024. Yeah, thanks, Omar. It's uh, great to be back on the podcast. It's been a while since I've hosted one. And and as you mentioned, it's always exciting to turn the tables a little bit. So I'm happy to be here. And I had to dust off my little podcast microphone a little bit. It's been a while, <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's going to be an exciting conversation. I can't wait to dive in. Well, well, let's start off by talking about what kind of year 2023 was for the medical device and diagnostics industry. I mean, you know, it was, uh, for lack of a better term, from my perspective, it was an incredible year. We had a lot of different things happening, but I feel like this is the first full year that we're kind of back to normal, you know, a way we've put away all of this, this stuff from the pandemic, and we're kind of finding our, our new groove in the industry. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would definitely agree. 2023 really feels like the first real post-COVID year. In 2022 was kind of getting there, but um, but I feel like 2023 is is really like, you know, chapter one, of, if you will, of the, of the post- <laughs> A pandemic era. And it's been, I'm trying to think of a, a word to characterize. I, if I had to just pick one word, I'm not sure I could do it, to be honest, uh, to characterize what the year has been like for the industry, because uh, we've had so many, um, there's been a lot of challenges, a lot of uh, resets, a lot of, a lot of companies you know, pulling the trigger on layoffs and some companies abruptly shutting down and um, so uh, and some regulatory um, challenges and controversies. Um, but at the same time, there's been some surprises um, and like uh, there's definitely been some some good surprises. So um, it's been an interesting year. I'd say it's been kind of a mixed year. Yeah, I, I would, too. I think one of the things, you know, that came up that was it wasn't shocking to me, but it was more so it it was bringing the whole Theranos saga to a close. Right. With the mm -hmm. sentencing of Elizabeth Holmes and not really the sentencing, but her actually physically going to prison. And I remember having discussions with, with some others on staff when we were talking about, oh, when is she going to go? Because there were all these different delays. And, right. I, and I, I just, 
I think that that put, I don't want to say a bow. I think that's maybe the incorrect, that that'll be an incorrect phrase, but it really just ended that entire saga because um, we've been following uh, Theranos and we've been following Elizabeth Holmes who spawned all of this, you know, all of these um, podcasts, TV movies, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or streaming movies and, yeah. and documentaries uh, for, for so long. It was amazing to finally see that saga come to a close. I agree. And it was definitely getting to the point where I think there were a lot of people who were skeptical of if she was even going to see the inside of a prison at all. But May 30th came around. That was um, the day she reported to prison. And it was a nice end cap, I think, for those of us who have been following it for a long time. But what will be interesting is, and I know you and I discussed this earlier in the year, is she's not likely to serve the full 11.25 years. In fact, she definitely won't. Um, I think they've already knocked two years off of it, predicted. Um, but I think it'll even be more than that. And I won't get into the rabbit hole, but I went. I started researching the prison system in the United States um, because obviously that's an, that's a topic that I didn't know a whole lot about. Yeah. And uh, I really went down a rabbit hole and learned way more about the prison system than I uh, or the the justice system that I ever wanted to. But there's a ridiculous number of ways to reduce one's time served. And um, and she's uh, I have no doubt that she'll take full advantage of every opportunity to shave some time off her sentence. Uh, So anyway, we'll, we'll see. It's time will tell, but I think you said it best earlier this year. You said she'll be out before we know it. And I think that's absolutely right. Yes, definitely. 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 Uh, um, I want to switch gears a little bit here now um, and talk about let's, let me take a deep breath. Let me get ready um, (laughs) for this, but Let's talk about Phillips. Let's well, talk about the recalls. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely this year did not play out the way that Phillips anticipated, or at least not the way that they publicly uh, said that they expected it to play out. Um, I think they expected to have um, all of their uh, respiratory recalls in the past. Honestly, like it's gotten so muddy. I'm just, it's, it's confusing. It's like, okay, is, is this the same recall we just reported on? Or is this, you know, (laughs) like there's a lot of murkiness to it because um, there is so, so many different um, moving parts um, and unfortunately moving in the wrong direction. Um, But my biggest thing when I think about Phillips, uh, I get really frustrated um, and not to sound parental, uh, but, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm not even mad anymore. I'm just disappointed Yes. (laughs) because uh, it's kind of like I have a 15 year old son and, you know, sometimes uh, with him, uh, I get to the point where it's like I I can't even be mad at you for that. But I, you know, I'm just disappointed. Um, And uh, it's just that uh, when something like this happens. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it before. Um, we've seen it with uh, companies that were featured prominently in the Bleeding Edge, the Eshore debacle. Um, it's really a, a hit on the industry's reputation. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. never just about Phillips. It's never just about 
one specific company that messed up. And I think too often in this industry, um, other companies, when something like this happens, other companies just uh, kind of have the attitude of, yikes, glad it wasn't us. You know, they, they yeah. messed up bad. They're, they're really deep in it. I'm glad we're not dealing with that. And I get that sentiment, but um, I'd really like to see um, it become more of a, a warning, you know, um, and and a lesson um, to other companies to hold their peers accountable and um, and find ways to prevent a few bad actors from making the entire industry look bad. Yeah. You know, there are just so many different levels to to Phillips, right? There's just so many different levels to to what's happening or, or, or you know, what happened. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. I, it, I'm thinking, what can they do to turn this around? Because their image has been been tarnished, significantly tarnished. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen this in a sense with other companies uh, you mentioned you know with assure but but also with um boston scientific and guidant and mm-hmm. we've seen how boston scientific how they've completely turned around since the since the guidant days right they've completely turned all of that around and are are a much different company Phillips still has the specter of recalls, and even until this day, mm-hmm. you know, this day, literally, yeah. we're writing about recalls from Phillips, and it, it just seems like it's unending. In fact, I think Katie Hobbins, our, our managing editor here at MDDI, wrote a headline uh, of sorts saying that the Phillips recalls are unending, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's right, and that was three or four recall stories ago. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that the difference is it comes down to a commitment to quality, um, a commitment to um, really uh, getting, you know, rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty a little bit and cleaning up your mess, you know, cleaning up your, your problems. And I think that, you know, with Boston Scientific, they inherited uh, a lot of um, problems from Guidant, but uh, it came down to um, Guidant was, I think, uh, I heard this uh, recently in a interview or something of the sort, uh, and they said that um, it was full of good people with bad habits. Yeah, okay. Um, or it might, might have been a Trivia Tuesday story I was writing. So that might have been something that was said back years ago. But um, I think they were able to salvage, you know, I think they were able to turn things around because um, Boston Scientific already had strong quality control systems in place. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that Phillips doesn't have that. I don't know um, without having, you know, without being on the inside, I, I really can't say. Um, I can say that I suspect that they have, that their issues run a lot deeper um, and it's going to take them a lot longer to clean house. And they're a big enough company. I think they can eventually do it, but I I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think we're going to see them turn things around for at least another couple of years. Um, and it's going to take the right leadership. It's going to take the right people. It's going to take a really strong commitment 
to not just saying the right things because they've been really good at saying the right things. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of uh, follow through in terms of action. I don't think they're done yet. Uh, again, a lot of that's just speculation. I, I want to talk a little bit now. You know, I want to go to Illumina. And we found out that they recently said, okay, we're divesting Grail. We've been following this story for a couple of years now. Um, Illumina went ahead and acquired Grail after there were antitrust probes. And we're looking at this and we're seeing this, right? We're seeing this play out in real time. And Illumina essentially had to walk away. And I think it was a seven um, $0.1 billion acquisition. That is insane. They have to walk away from a company that they spun, that was spun out from it in 2016. And my mind is just blown, but this was the only logical conclusion. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And in the beginning, you know, um, I, I could understand, I could really see it uh, from Illumina's perspective. Um, I mean, Grail was a company that um, spawn, spun out of Illumina, mm -hmm. and um, I was very, I was surprised to see that there was any kind of antitrust pushback, um, but I think that, uh, I, I think that what was um, really shocking to me and kind of um, changed my perspective on the situation is that um, they just thumbed their nose at the regulatory bodies and were like, yeah. you know, um, well, we don't care that there's this probe. We're going to go ahead and buy them anyway, because if we don't buy it now, like we have to, you know, we have to pull the trigger on this. And, um, you know, I don't I don't blame especially I think it really, <laughs> really raised regulators uh, hackles in, in Europe, um, but also probably with at the F FTC and. I just uh, I, I felt like um, I, I felt like they were um, they were just defiant, you know. They just yeah moved, yeah they just, they just yeah exactly they just yeah, yeah yeah I um you know and I'm all for uh, I love a good stick it to the man story, but <laughs> I think that uh, I just question their defiance in this particular situation. And, um, you know, I think at the end it got burned and it was a very expensive lesson learned. Yeah, they lost leadership. Um, their CEO, Francis D'Souza, he was, um, dis well, he, he resigned, but that was after uh, a proxy battle. Yep. Um, and a board, you know, they were able to get some new board members in there, or a new board member, but it was clear that this was, going to be an uphill battle and in europe they even face fines for going ahead and and completing this acquisition without mm -hmm. approval and so i i think for illumina it ran into a wall I, I think the company ran into a wall where it just wasn't feasible anymore to to continue to hold on to grail and grail is you know, it's an early cancer detection company. They've had some cutting edge research. And Grail, if if you recall, they were on the verge of, of going public before uh, this yes. acquisition was announced, you know, yes. and 
I always think, what if, where would Grill be now if if not for this acquisition and where would Illumina be? You know, so uh-huh. that's going to be one of the biggest what ifs. And in 2024, I think we will definitely see how all of this, you know, all of this plays out and, and what the new Illumina will look like and what the new Grail will start to look like. I completely agree. Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, I think I mentioned this before in uh, Peterson's POV earlier in the year, but ultimately Illumina made its own bed and now they're going to lie in it. I want to talk about something a little bit more positive now, you know, uh, want to go on a much lighter note. There is a lot of excitement around um, PFA and, you know, you've been following this story really closely. I think I picked up on your coattails, as I always do, as I've done for the last, what, 10, 15 years. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. But talk a little bit about that right now, because there's a lot of excitement in this field and and Medtronic and and a couple of other companies are, are really setting it ablaze. Yeah, it is really exciting to see. Um, I love uh, a good, you know, like a really tight race to the to the FDA approval line um, or or even, you know, CE mark. Uh, but uh, for me, I haven't been this excited to watch a market evolve um, since the early days of Taver. Um, and oh, yeah. I, I mean, I remember there being, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of um, eyes on that space and who was going to be, you know, who was going to get there first. Would it be Edwards or Medtronic? Of course, it ended up being Edwards um, and then Medtronic followed shortly after, I believe. But um, that was a really it was really exciting to see Taver um, emerge and grow so fast. And I think that that we're going to see that again with um, Pulse Field Ablation. Uh, I think that uh, the companies that are in the running have some really good uh, differentiated devices. So it's probably too early to say, um, you know, which which device is going to, you know, win the most market share at the end of the day. Um, but it'll be exciting to see. And I think it'll, it's one of those things where everyone wins, uh, you know, physicians and patients are going to be the winners because there is so much competition and competition breeds innovation. And um, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, that gives physicians more options uh, to treat their patients. So I'm really excited. I I was a little surprised that Medtronic uh, got there first with FDA approval. Um, at one point, I thought it was going to be Medtronic, and then I started to think I was thinking uh, Boston Scientific, and then uh, it ended up being Medtronic after all. So I guess I should have stuck with my <laughs> original. Uh, I should have stuck with my uh, first instincts on that. But it's fun to watch, and I think we're just scraping the surface. I mean, it's it's. I think this is going to be a, a huge market opportunity. Um, I think that I've seen uh, estimates in like around the eight billion dollar. Um, yeah. Well, yeah figure for for what it will eventually uh, grow to. And so I think it's really exciting. Um, It's an important new treatment paradigm for atrial fibrillation. And um, it's just it's about time, you know, it's about time that some that that we saw some true disruption in this space. A topic that I want to talk about another uh, field that's growing and that really took a sudden twist after all of these years. 
renal denervation for hypertension finally gets redemption, right? Um, we, we saw Medtronic uh, win an approval in the space after years of trying. Recor, of course, was the pioneer um, receiving um, FDA approval first for um, for their technology. But talk about this plot, t- plot twist. I didn't see it coming. Uh, yeah, and plot twist is exactly right. It was yeah. definitely a major plot twist. Um, I didn't see it coming either. I mean, just to put it into some perspective, um, I think it was as recently as late August that we were reporting on, uh, I think the headline was Medtronic's renal denervation dreams dashed again. Um, because at that time they had just um, gotten a, a negative uh, advisory committee recommendation, um, not on safety. And that's important to note that there yeah, was never yeah. there was never any question about safety. Um, but when it came to um, efficacy and and benefits versus risk, I think that's where there was uh, some disagreement um, and ultimately uh, the committee uh, advised against approval and it's very very rare that fda will go against a negative panel vote sure um i think it's oh i want to say it's happened um previous to this uh this year it had happened about six times in the last six years or something like that it's it's pretty rare um so I definitely, after the end of August, that's when I was starting to be like, okay, well, they need to start thinking about, you know, <laughs> what their next steps <laughs> are going to be. And maybe, maybe it's time to throw, throw in the towel. Um, but this was a case where I was really happy to be wrong. You know, um, I never questioned the value of their technology um, or the importance of it um, for a, a disease like hypertension. Um, I just started to, you know, have my doubts that they were actually going to pull it off because there had been so many regulatory setbacks over the years. Um, and then they did it. And it was it was great to see that. It was really exciting. And um, and not only did they get it, but FDA, uh, you know, a smaller company got there first, which is always yeah. um, exciting to see when a when the underdog kind of gets there first. And then there's an, another company, I think you just wrote about it this week. Uh, Ablative Solutions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ablative yeah. Solutions um, is is making some headway in the space, too. So we're really seeing a revival of that. And, like, uh, I love that you called it a redemption arc because that's really what it feels like. It feels like, you know, um, back in 2014, we watched – Covidian pull out of the space yeah, that of yeah. course was before the Medtronic Covidian merger and mm-hmm. um, some other big names that were in that space. And they just one after another, they just all, all threw through in the towel. It seemed like they were um, saying, well, if Medtronic can't do it, then, then we can't, you know, um, I mean, I'm sure not, I'm sure that that's not actually what they were thinking, but that yeah. was just kind of the impression that, that was happening uh, from, from it and so it was really exciting to see that see that space turn around and i think going forward both of the spaces we just talked about both um pulse field ablation and 
uh, renal denervation. I think 2024 uh, is going to be a real big year for those um, two markets, and it's going to be really exciting to see uh, how it further develops and grows. Yeah, and, and you know, it's amazing because I think 2024 is is going to be a big year for med tech. You know, 2023 was really recovering, truly recovering from the pandemic and finding it, its footing. But I think 2024 is going to be, um, I, I think it's going to not necessarily be a return to form of sorts, but it's going to really be a time where the industry defines itself and defines what it's going to be for the next um, 10 years or so. Um, it, you know, one of the things that MedTech has struggled with in 2023 is, you know, funding from venture capitalists, right? Mm -hmm. um, being able to get that funding in. And what's happened um, because of that is, you know, industry has said, okay, or entrepreneurs have said, you know, we're not going to get that from, from VCs. Um, how else can we get it? And the answer has been, um, things like uh, intuitive surgical, creating a, a venture capital arm to provide the funding, right? And um, uh, Simbex having a contest to to raise funding for, for some of these entrepreneurs. So why am I bringing that up uh, as we're talking about 2024? The reason I'm saying that is because we're seeing MedTech adapt and really reinvent itself and really define a new standard. And I think in 2024, we're only going to see more of that. You know, we're going to see AI being more defined. We're going to see alternative funding routes become normal funding routes, right? And mm -hmm. I think we're going to see, you know, stronger deals. They might not be mega deals like mega acquisitions, but we're going to see companies say, you know what, this doesn't particularly fit what we want to do or where we want to go. So let's either spin this off or let's let's sell this to another company where it makes perfect sense for this to happen. So I think we're going to see that and we're, we're going to have a new, you know, a new paradigm, so to speak. That's always the wild card, uh, at least for me, is yeah. uh, when I try to look into my crystal ball <laughs> it's it doesn't uh it doesn't always uh it, it work uh i don't always know where the uh economy is going to go where the venture capital trends are going to go where yeah, they're going to yeah. want to put their money um and some years are it's always challenging i don't think that i've ever seen a year where it was like oh the money is they're just throwing money at us <laughs> you know like i don't yeah. think that we're ever going to see that but like some years are clearly more difficult than others especially for early stage companies and startups and um, it's tough. It's really, uh, it's, it's really disheartening, um, to see some really good, really promising companies go under, um, simply because they just couldn't keep the lights on. Yes. Yes. Final thoughts about 2024. Um, anything you're looking forward to, anything you, you think might come up or, or just final thoughts. Well, um, yeah, I, I would just say again, in terms of um, emerging technologies, uh, I think that we're. I think that 
diabetes tackle continue to be a hot space. It has uh, the last couple years. It, there's been a lot of um, a lot of action happening uh, in that space, um, and I think that's going to continue. Um, PFA and uh, renal denervation. Uh, we're going to see a lot happening there. I think. Um, it's uh, I think that we're going to also see more. This started a little bit in 2023, uh, but now that we're past the pandemic mm-hmm. and past some of the I can't say that the supply chain crisis is over per se, but it's um, but I think think the worst of the storm is is past for most companies. And one of the things that I really um, was uh, happy to see is some of the larger medtech OEMs, specifically Medtronic, um, taking steps to consolidate and su- streamline their supply chains, um, doing some shopkeeping, if you will. Um, you know, it was obvious uh, from the pandemic that uh, a lot of companies in the space the bigger the company was, it seemed like the less they knew about their own supply chain. Like they didn't even know uh, if they had suppliers in China or not. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, because there's so many different levels, like, you know, your suppliers and then that your suppliers have suppliers. And so, like, um, I think that Medtronic is really taking some proactive steps to um, get that under control. They had nine different supply chain groups and more than 1,900 suppliers before the pandemic. And um, so they've been trying to consolidate those groups and um, begin that transformation. Um, and it's going to be beneficial on both sides. I think it's obviously going to benefit the company um, and its customers, but I think it's really going to benefit uh, the supplier partners as well, um, because suddenly those suppliers are going to become a lot more important to Medtronic. Um, so I think it, I think it'll be a win-win. Um, and I, I am hoping it's not a prediction so much as a hope that we'll uh, see other companies follow suit and and try to tighten that up. And then the other thing we we've seen in the last couple of years, um, but I think we're going to see a real big push, um, continued push or stronger push, if you will, toward uh, outpatient care and um, and um, more um, hospital systems making use of ambulatory surgical centers. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just a. a definite change. And, and, and that's, you know, that's amazing. And 2024 is going to be a, a impactful year in med tech. But Amanda, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, it's it, it's no easy task to step on the other side, so to speak, and and be the one that's asked the questions. And 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 thank you for just, just coming on and taking the time to do that. Well, absolutely. I'm glad that you uh, had this idea. I think it's a great idea. And I loved hearing your perspectives as well. Um, I hope I didn't ramble on too much. <laughs> no, no, not at, not at all. Um, if anyone in the industry needs to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Oh, um, I'm going to say LinkedIn. Um, I, I mean, of course, uh, email um, as well, but just know that um, 
email is a challenge for me. I get, (laughs) I I don't even want I get like just a ridiculous uh, number of email a day. I'm sure you do too. So, um, you know, my email address, amanda.peterson, of course, that's P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N at informa.com. Um, but that said, uh, LinkedIn, um, I am on LinkedIn a lot and just shoot me a message on there and it's a better, I'm more likely to see it (laughs) more, 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 I'm, I'm likely to see it uh, faster. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. And it also closes out season two of the podcast. Thanks once again to Amanda Peterson for coming on and giving her analysis. If you want to see more content from Amanda Peterson, including Peterson's point of view, you can check out mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. And please, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Let's Talk MedTech on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.